Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At least one Tampa Bay team this weekend could get on the scoreboard and had a successful run. My goodness. The Tampa Bay Rays, of course, they take two out of three from the Chicago White Sox. We'll talk about that. Some of the injuries. Chris Archer, two innings, and then had to leave the game with more hip tightness. The Bucks were just bad, and they didn't play their starters. But woof, Steve Versnick. These guys, I've watched two preseason games now at Raymond James Stadium, and when I tell you I've done this a while, you know how long I've done this. These might have been the two worst preseason games, which is saying something because we're grading on a curve, that I've ever watched. They're, they were unwatchable. In fact, these these teams were so bad, Tennessee wasn't great either, even though they scored 34 points. I think they com- the two teams combined for 4 of 27 on third down. They were both 2 of 14, 2 of 13. It was insanely bad. Yeah, that was a, that was definitely one of the rougher preseason. I mean, preseason's hard to watch. Period. Anyway, it even is. even when the starters are playing in this, I mean, yeah, it is. You know, there's something about games that don't count to watch. I mean, I, I think they're important, and you and I differ a little bit about that, particularly for the guys lower on the roster. Sure, it's good for the coaches. I think there's a lot of things that come out of preseason. Now, I, I don't think you need more than two preseason games personally, but a lot of stuff can come out of it. Things you don't necessarily see things that help you get ready for the regular season from equipment guys to coach communication to you name it. But it can be tough to watch because, you know, there's not, you don't always have schemes. You don't have game plans and this, you're working on things, et cetera. But these two games, particularly Saturday night, that was rough. I mean, that's just one that was like, you know, we didn't have this podcast. I'm like, why would I be watching this game? (laughs) Seriously. You're like, this is, this is, this is painful. If I didn't have the job, why was I yeah. watching the game? But yeah, I mean, it's it, it. Listen, I mean, they played a couple guys, um, but for the most part, all the starters sat. One one guy that didn't sit was Alex Kappa, who suddenly now is in a battle for his job at right guard. Without that was Aaron a little bit Spinney. shocking. Yeah, I talked to Bruce Arians on Sunday. It was interesting, and I just asked him. I said, "Hey, first of all, you don't want to be that guy that starts when none of the starters are starting. Like you're singled <laughs> out. It's like, hey, why am I out here?" Well, you're out there because you played horribly in the first game. I mean, they had six snaps with a starting offensive line when Brady was out there against Cincinnati. And on two of them, Alex Kappa was a turnstile. He just got beat badly. One one gave up a sack on one of them. So it was like, yeah, you know, and, and they keep talking about how, well, there's a lot of rust there. And I can appreciate the fact that he broke his leg, but he broke his leg against the Washington football team in the first playoff game. So it wasn't like, you know, it just happened. Now, maybe that that may have put him behind as far as offseason training goes and everything like that. But essentially, he played just three less games than everybody else that made it through the entire season. So it's not like he's, you know, in this situation where he's, I don't know, a guy that that, that missed most or all of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But having said that, Aaron Stinney came in and played really, really well. So Stinney, who had to play because they were down a bunch of offensive linemen, um, they both wound up playing, and 
Um, I guess, you know, it, at least this time, Kappa was a little bit better, but they, they've got to sort that out. For the most part, it was what we saw kind of during the week. Um, there was a ton of drop passes. Uh, if, you're, if you're a quarterback for the Bucks, not named Brady, um, you're pretty frustrated because this is your tape. This is your resume. You're trying to put some good things out there. I don't think, you know, Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask are worried about making the football team. Certainly Ryan Griffin is. Um, but nonetheless, you, you don't want to see a bunch of wasted efforts. And and Gabbard really would have probably gotten him in the end zone. Um, but the, the drops, you know, the drops just killed him. And now, we've talked about this last week. And it's it seems like every practice, the storyline is drop passes. It's been a lot drop of them, passes, yeah. Drop passes. Yeah. Now you're seeing it in the preseason games. Now, right. Grant, your starter, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin weren't in there. They're not in there. Well, O.J. Howard had two of the biggest yeah. ones early mm-hmm. on. And, I mean, you know, one of them was was sort of a, uh, a down-the-field throw. Um, he he tracked it okay. He just didn't put the ball away. It hit, I mean, he dropped it. It hit both hands. And, you know, um, I'm I'm going to say this about O.J. Howard, and, and I'm going to sound like a complete defender of his, and maybe I am. Um, but I think that when you're when you're coming back from an injury, I've been at every practice, and O.J. Howard doesn't practice every day. Um, and that's true of a lot of veterans. But for him, he might practice once and then miss a day or two. Uh, and when he does practice, he's not getting a ton of reps. So they're, they're trying to bring him back off that torn Achilles, ruptured Achilles. And so, you know, he, he has some atrophy in his calf muscle, and there's a lot of things. Um, you know, I think there's a, a mental hurdle you have to get over cutting and and doing certain stuff when you've had a surgery. That's a nine-month injury. So from his standpoint, look, he ran by people. He was open. It was a great ball delivered by Gabbert. They just didn't hook up. He didn't catch the ball. So he missed a couple of big throws, but then he came back and caught three uh, in a row. So it wasn't like he, he shook it off, which was good that Gabbert kept going to him. But but that just, when you start games like that, and, and Arian said he wanted to throw the ball. They didn't run it for, for nothing. They didn't even try to run it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to evaluate the quarterbacks and the offensive linemen. They wanted to see who can pass protect because you're going to be protecting Brady if you play. And so they they threw a lot of footballs, and then that way they could look at some of their rookie receivers as well, um, including Jalen Darden, who didn't have a good day. And, you know, you're trying to make a decision on him as a kick returner. Didn't really do anything special there. Um, you know, so they're, you know, they have to cut down their roster. They got to 80, um, by cutting five guys on Sunday, they get to 80 by Tuesday at four o'clock, but they, they already waived their five guys. The only name that was big was probably Quentin Bell, um, who's been here since 2019 on the practice squad, played five games last year, uh, and then went back on the practice squad. So the outside linebacker positions are almost set. Um, there's about two guys fighting for one more spot behind you know, Anthony Nelson and JPP and Shaq Barrett and uh, you know, Joe Tryon, who, by the way, has a has a hyphen name. This is the newest thing. So it was Joe Tryon when they drafted him. Um, his dad's name, last surname, is uh, Shoinka, S-H-O-Y-I-N-K-A. And so I guess after the first game, and I don't know sort of why they were calling him Joe Tryon, because at Washington this was the case too, but um, – after the first game, he asked the equipment guys, hey, um, can you add my dad's name? I, I want it to be Tryon Shoinka on the back of my jersey. And they did. And now it's that way on the roster. So guess who gets to write that on deadline? Not that I'm <laughs> complaining, folks, but that is a, okay, one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve letters every time I mention Tryon Choinka. And it would be different if he wasn't a good player that makes news. I mean, the guy is a beast, right? Like he, every game he plays, he's the quickest guy off the ball. He absolutely wreaks havoc in the backfield. He had another sack, only this one counted. Um, so you end up, you're going to write about the dude, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Hey, I'm all for him, uh, honoring both, both parents. And that's great. Uh, but I could have done without the hyphen personally. Um, so, uh, he played well, there was a few guys, you know, that, that did kind of make a good showing. And, uh, one of those was Grant Stewart, the Mr. Irrelevant, the seventh round pick, um, from Houston. And, uh, he'll be going back to his hometown for this final final game patrick o'connor who's been on the football team um for a while uh, but he's been cut before as well uh he had a big game he had a sack and a couple t- tackles for losses and um so they really got some some deep decent outside linebacker death with uh with with different guys and and then interior um as well with o'connor khalil davis played pretty well so there there were some guys who stood out but anytime you give up 34 points and only score three Ain't a whole lot to pick from there, right? So there's just not not a lot of guys made a good accounting for themselves. Thankfully, and maybe we'll be talking about this differently on Sunday of next week. Thankfully, the starters are going to play in Houston. Uh, and we kind of wondered, we talked about this on the podcast, like the third preseason game with only three, how do you treat it? Is that now the fourth preseason game where you don't play anybody because you're, you're so close? It's the last one before the one that counts. Or... Uh, the third preseason game has always been traditionally the one you play the most. Well, in, in Arian's mindset, he believes that because there's a week in between, uh, there is there is no fourth preseason game, but there's still a week there before you get into game week. Uh, they play a Thursday night, September 9th. So after this game next Saturday, they have all that time to wait before they play the Dallas Cowboys kick off the NFL season. He does not want that much lag time to be without facing some kind of game speed. They've only had six plays as starters on both sides of the ball, so he's bound to determine. We'll see if this was smart or not because you're exposing all your frontline guys to injury and what's the upside. Mm-hmm. But I keep telling people this is football. This is what they do. This is you know there is something to being a football player. Put the pads on, getting the first hit out of the way. Um, you know all that all that sort of stuff and. They need reps. They've done it in practice. And even though the Houston practice was close to full speed, there still wasn't anybody that was going to knock down the quarterback. And until Mm -hmm. you have that pressure of protecting him or Brady has to worry about, you know, getting hit, um, it's not really the same. So uh, I was was thinking about over the weekend and this weekend, the coming up, the Houston game, the third preseason game is the time that the third preseason games would have taken place last year. The fourth preseason game, you remember, is always that Thursday before Labor like Day. Early, yes, Thursday. Which is one week before the opener, the Thursday night. So if you would have played your starters in week two instead of week three, they didn't push the the, the preseason back. Backwards, no. They that's what, the first three games the same. They just eliminated the fourth. And they just added a week of preparation. It's an, a by, kind of an empty yeah. week. So yeah. if you would have played in the second game instead of the third, mm-hmm. now you're talking three weeks in between games. That's correct. That's, a That's long why they didn't play football players. Yeah, and it, yeah. and it, you look at it that way now, and it makes sense. You know, yeah, it's it, too hard. You always, you always skip the fourth, but it was also one week before the season opened. That's or, correct. You know, nine, ten days. Ten if days you tops. Yeah, yeah, ten days tops. You know, but but they didn't 
they didn't just shift every. They didn't get rid of week one of the preseason. They actually got rid of week four. That's correct. And so that's correct. It actually makes sense why they're playing the starters in game three, not in game two. Yeah, and I mean, again, you know, they can do some things play calling wise to protect Brady. Certainly, mm-hmm. um, those guys up front play with that pressure all the time. They're playing arguably the worst team in the league in the Houston Texans, and you know, I assume Houston be playing a lot of their starters as well. So they they should be able to hold up against those guys. That's not necessarily a defense uh, or a football team that's going to give them a ton of trouble or shouldn't. You never know. It only t- Again, you're one play away, right? You're one hit. Mm-hmm. You'd hate to lose Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or, God forbid, you know, Devin White or, you know, any of the Vita Bea, any of those guys. Uh, and, and that's certainly not their intention. But they, they have to play. And, you know, that's that's the plan. That's, that's what they're going to go with. So this week, instead of having the training camp schedule, they're going to have what simulates a regular season schedule. Now, today – uh, would be a game after, you know, day after a football game type type of day, shortened practice. Um, you know, they they'd be out of there fairly early in the afternoon. It's mostly treatment and such, more than yeah, they'd get practice. treatment. Yeah, they wouldn't even practice to be honest with you. I mean, normally, but they're going to practice today. Um, probably a walkthrough this week. They will game plan. It won't be to the extent that you'll game plan for the Dallas Cowboys, but you'll look at the Houston Texans and you'll you'll work off what we call cards or scripts uh, where you'll have a scout squad to simulate what the Houston Texans do on defense, or at least what you expect them to do in certain formations, uh, to give the players their best chance to be successful. You don't want to surprise them. You don't want to game plan like you would for a regular season, but you do want to give them, the guys that are playing, the looks, uh, have a look squad um, so that so that they are sort of prepared and simulate you know, a game week, a regular season game week where um, you know, practices is are closer to eleven o'clock. Go for about an hour and a half. Then you have your open locker rooms and that sort of thing. Um, and they'll, they'll travel, I guess, on Friday since the game's on Saturday. They'll travel to Houston on Friday. So, um, from that standpoint, uh, it's it's a useful you know it's a useful week. But um, there's really I I was doing the math. I think they have to cut eleven players um, to get to the fifty three, and then you have uh, what like a I don't know, 17, I think it's 16 or 17 man uh, practice squad. So there's about, there's about 11 guys that are sort of on the bubble. Um, and I don't know where that's going to fall, to be honest with you. It's, it's still, well, there a may battle. be a few more than that because depending on what other teams cut, you may pick up right. somebody to cut somebody. Right. Out. And then your guys that you cut, like you're going to mm-hmm. cut guys and you're going to want most of them back because you're going to have to hope they clear waivers. And that's the mm-hmm. nervous time is when you cut a player that you absolutely want in your practice squad. Because last year, I, I think almost every guy that was on a practice squad wound up on the active roster at some point. And so you want your guys that know the system, that have been there all year, and, and yet it's possible that if you have such a good team, and the Bucks do, um, that you may you may cut a good player that will easily make another football team, and it, they won't clear waivers, and somebody will claim them. So it's a nervous time for them uh, when they make those cuts. But the, the practice squad is large if you can get them back. And you can, you know, you can secure a lot of players for the for the regular season. So that's sort of what's going to be going on here in these next week, week and a half or so. Um, the final game, the cuts, uh, and then we'll be getting ready for the Dallas Cowboys, which is just remarkable to me that we're there. We don't even know. Uh, I guess, I guess Dak Prescott. They say I really believe he'll be fine. He could throw. He could play right now. But 
I also heard Adam Schefter who who said, according to my sources, he may never be what he was before this year with the shoulder and the foot. So, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from Dak Prescott. I know without them, without him, they're not very good. But it looks like he'll show up for week one. Well, we're 17 um, days away, so we'll find out soon. Oh, it's incredible. I'm getting nervous. seems like we were just 40 days away, and I was going, oh, my God, we're still 40 days away. But now, uh, with the workload that's about to come down for us, it's, uh, it's kind of scary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Meanwhile, uh, your Tampa Bay Rays, Steve Verstick, you listened to this on um, told radio, right? On your way to Charlotte to pick up a car that you had left there for some reason, but yeah, well, you know, we got, we hit a deer on a vacation a couple of weeks ago. So the car yeah. is ready. So I had to drive to Charlotte today. Right. And then, to, uh, well, yesterday, today, which right. we're this on Monday, I'm driving back to Tampa. So, okay. And, and so you had the app or how did yeah, you listen to the MLB app? MLB so, app. Yeah. Listen to Andy and Dave on the radio. Of course I was at the games Friday and Saturday. Right. So By they the way, took, they took two or three. Yeah. Friday night, they have three airs. Three mm-hmm. pass balls, and yet still should have won that game. Absolutely against the White Sox. Had they, JT Shagwa not given up a home run in the ninth, yep, uh, to send it to extra innings. Yep, um, the pitching would have laid out all different for the rest of the weekend too, which we'll get into with Chris Archer. But a rough game Friday, but yet they still come back and, and took a lead in that game. It was incredible. They, they could have I mean, swept them. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't deserve to win Friday night, but yet they still had a lead going to the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. It's only what the second time this year they've lost a, a game that they led after eight innings, right? So they same. had. I've seen Steve. They put up a stat today. They have a plus one hundred and something differential. Mm-hmm. Um, after like the seventh inning, like just that's how many runs they they outscore teams in the seventh because one, their bullpen is one of the best, if not the best, in, in the American League. So they don't give up any runs, and then we we've documented how many runs this team scores late in the games. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It, it, they don't give up. It doesn't matter the situation. They 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 seem to be able to bring the right pieces up at the right time. Yep. Uh, you know, I I don't know what it is. It's it's Andy Freed was mentioning on the broadcast Sunday that since they lost Tyler Glass now about two months ago. Their starting pitchers are 14 and 13 with a 5.25 ERA. Whew. And yet they're winning. Now, their bullpen's been lights out, which is a big part of it, and their offense lately. I mean, another eight, what eight-plus runs on Sunday. Yep. You know, I mean, their offense, I mean, you're getting half-price pizzas like every day. I mean, you don't even need to check. Just oh, type yeah. in raise six on in Papa John's, and you're getting half-price pizzas every day at this yeah, point. Yeah, make it raise eight. <laughs> um pretty soon but yeah i know what you're saying and here and yet having said all that i'm a skeptic by nature as you know Mm -hmm. what what i what i'm wondering is my experience tells me this about playoff baseball there's not too many runs scored 
you'll have the occasional game where somebody might wipe somebody out, but for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's all pitching and defense. I mean, I mean, even you know, even to a failure last year of the Rays was they had one guy, Randy Orozarena, that was hitting, and then nobody else. Mm-hmm. Um, he carried them. I mean, carried them. Uh, and you know, he managed. They managed to get to six games of the World Series, but. I don't know that you can slug your way there. Now, it's helping them this year. They're having to to use that offense because the pitching has been in shambles, and yet everybody they throw out there seems to be great. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's Lewis Head or, you know, guys you've absolutely never heard of before. Um, but I just think when you get to playoff baseball and and the other team has maybe two or probably three solid starters, you know, guys with resumes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're running out Louis Patino and Shane McClanahan. Nothing against those guys; they're talented. And the, the you know the mm-hmm. sort of the narrative for the Rays is, "Well, I'll take talent over experience." Well, yeah, that's great, but I mean, I I don't know that both those guys are going to carry you. And already, we don't know who you know the third guy is. Now they're trying to develop maybe a third starter behind those two, mm-hmm. um, and they were hoping that maybe Archer would come back and give them something. It's the most Archer thing ever, though, right? Like, he spent all that time um, sort of trying to, you know, to recover from uh, sort of a sore hip, and then he makes it back. And I got to be honest, he pitched really, really well for two innings. I mean, the thing that concerned me, and I texted you this when you were driving, was his fastball, I think, was topping out about 93. Mm-hmm. And for but Chris the slider Archer, was a wipeout slider. Well, slider was phenomenal, and the changeup, was really good because he threw it close enough, you know, it stayed in the zone long enough and then it would, mm-hmm. then it would die or, or, you know, have some movement on it. And, um, he was getting strikeouts. He wasn't getting good, you know, hard contact. There was a couple nice plays behind him. Um, certainly Kiermaier made one in center field. I think there was another line drive that was caught, but for the most part, like he looked good, you know, like he looked like he was in command and then, and then he leaves and you're listening to the radio and I'm like, you're like Archer's out, and I'm like he is because <laughs> they didn't say. I was watching the TBS broadcast, which it was on TBS okay. as well as you know the Rays. Brian Anderson. There's two Brian Andersons doing the game yesterday. Yes, um, but TBS is Brian Anderson, and they didn't know. They they the inning was over. He went in. They didn't know anything else. But you heard on the radio from Dave Wills that that Cash went out and talked to the umpire, right? Yeah, they said Cash went and talked to the umpire as soon as the inning ended, mm-hmm. and then. As soon as that happened, they were on the bullpen phone, and Armstrong got up warming. Mm. So now the Rays were going to bat. You didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know for sure, but Cash essentially told the ump, hey, Archer's hurt. We're warming a guy, but we may need extra time to warm him up, depending on how quick this inning goes. Right. Because if a player leaves hurt, you get to take as much time as necessary to warm up. If you come in out of the bullpen, you get your eight pitches or whatever it is. So you know, Cash was giving the ump a, a warning on that you know, depending on how long the inning went. But, yeah, Dave and Andy were all over. Apparently, the TV broadcast wasn't. So, Yeah. Well, it's a shame because uh, I, I, it's just has just been the story of Chris Archer, certainly mm-hmm. this year. And, you know, he's been through a lot. His mother dying uh, recently talked a lot about that when he came back. But, you know, he hasn't pitched since – this is the first time since he left the team April 10th. Yep. Well, your hope is, is that tightness. by leaving early, this isn't going to become a serious thing. Right. That's your hope. I mean, you know, time will tell, obviously. Except it's the same thing, right? Yeah. That's the problem. And and Archer said, 
he even said, I noticed a little drop in my fastball. Mm-hmm. And then I felt tightness in my hip. Um, and I said that to you before I knew he was hurt. Like, hey, man, this mm-hmm. guy's topping out at 93. This is not the reports that we got, you yep. know, from Durham. Um, so you knew something was maybe a little bit wrong. Yeah. But but let me go back to your, your pitching. And I, I we, yeah. we've talked a lot about this with the playoffs. I think the Rays' plan this season was Glasnow, McClanahan, Patino, and then figure out the rest from there. When And you hope that Rich Hill was going to give you more than he did, and for a while he did, but then it fell off. If you notice in New York, he's in the bullpen now. Michael Waka hasn't been as – you know you haven't gotten quite as much out of him as you'd hoped. And, and a few other arms they tried. So when they got to late May, June, you're starting to look at trade. You're starting to look at your roster. There weren't a lot of pitchers out there to acquire. If you, if you looked at the trade deadline, there weren't many starting pitchers traded. The biggest one being Scherzer, but he could control where he went. He's a 10-5 guy. He could say no to anywhere you wanted to trade him. So that was pretty much out for the race. He wasn't going to agree to come here, most likely. He agreed to go to the Dodgers. He didn't have to. He chose to. Otherwise, there weren't. There was, there was a handful of starters, and you wouldn't even call them aces that you could have dealt for. So the Rays looked at it and said, look, we've got a good team. But if we can't upgrade our pitching, and they've added some bullpen guys like Fire Eyes and Erasmus and some others, then we've got to upgrade our hitting. Hence, Wander Franco called up. You trade for Nelson Cruz. And yes, I don't think you can bash your way to eight, nine runs a game in the postseason. But your pitching staff's still been pretty good, and you can you can handle good lineups and keep them to a reasonable amount of runs. Uh, Andy Freed was talking today, and over half of their wins this year, or no, it was over half their games, I'm sorry, over half their games this year, the opponents have scored three runs or less against the Rays. That's how good their pitching staff's been. Yeah. You know, they they were first in ERA a couple weeks ago. I think they're fifth now, he said, because of the 20-run the game they gave up to Boston and the 12-run game to Minnesota. So now they're like fifth in the American League, but they were first. They have a pitching staff that can keep your lineup to a reasonable level. You don't need to bash eight, nine runs in the postseason to win, or at least you hope not. If you do, that's a problem on your pitching staff. Yeah, you got to hold them. Yeah. But if you can't acquire more pitching, what do you do? particularly with class now out, then you have to upgrade your hitting, which is what they did by calling Franco up. Uh, by, you know, you're hoping that Austin Meadows continues to produce the way he is. Brendan Lau has gotten really toasty. You added Nelson mm-hmm. Cruz, who we'll see how long he's out. He's on the COVID list now on Sunday. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I they're doing what they, you know, if you can't upgrade your pitching, which is what this team's always been built on, pitching and defense. Yeah. If your pitching's not going to be what it was last year, the year before as you hit the postseason, because last year you had Snell, Morton, and Glass now as your starters going in. Right. So if you're not going to be able to hold him down to quite as many runs as you'd like to in the postseason, you better score some more. Right. And you hope that a Rosarina can do well in the postseason. He probably won't match last year, but you hope he does well. Meadows is producing RBIs at an amazing rate right now. Nelson Cruz is at a length to this lineup. If you can get G Man Choi healthy, it would help. Uh, uh, he was you know. he got hurt too on on Sunday. Yeah, he left again, and he may have to go on the aisle at this point, too. He's kind of been nursing it for a couple weeks. So hamstring, right. And you might be better off just putting him on the aisle to get healthy before the postseason than trying to 
nurse this along. I, I don't know what they'll do. I don't know. If you look at their numbers, I mean, what they're doing right now, at least these these seven and eight runs a game and all that stuff, it's not sustainable. Okay, it just isn't. Um, no. I and, and, you know, but having said that, they did lengthen their lineup. There's no question Nelson Nelson Cruz is, you know, when he's playing and he, he gets over this COVID thing, I mean, he, he changes, he lengthens your lineup, he changes things. Zunino's having a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Francisco Mejia has had some of the biggest hits. He had another bases loaded double mm-hmm. uh, that drove in three runs to separate that game, and he's had enormous games, a five RBI game. Mm-hmm. So what they're getting from their catching position is incredible, right, from an offensive standpoint. Yep. You just don't know that what, what good pitching will do. I don't think that it's going to be as easy as it was maybe last year when the only guy that was going was a Rosarena. I don't I, I think in mm-hmm. some ways Brandon Lau benefits, right, when it's not all on him. Mm-hmm. Um he's going to hit thirty something home runs this year. Uh, you know, Austin Meadows, he's probably their most consistent guy because his swing is so simple. Mm-hmm. Um he, he doesn't have a long swing, he he makes good contact, he doesn't strike out a ton. And if you got guys in front of him, and they have because of the lineup we just mentioned, um, he he's he had three more RBIs. He's up to almost close to ninety RBIs, um, so he could drive in a hundred. Uh, I, I just think that you know they're better. They're definitely better. And 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 the key is going to be this. Listen, Wander Franco is figuring it out. Okay, mm-hmm. and. We started this whole thing by saying this is the best prospect in baseball, and they wanted to bring him up and make sure that it wasn't going to be a situation where he struggles and you have to send him back down and all that. And he did have his struggles, make no mistake. Um, he had to make some adjustments. But I don't think there's a more confident player. Now, his defense needs to get better because he's making about an error a game. Which is you and I were going over that on Friday night. We were texting back yeah. and forth. Yeah. It's, and it's, and I, I caution folks – Franco is struggling a little bit on defense, and he had a rough weekend too. Well, he took a ball off the face, a ball off the. It was his fault. <laughs> well, it was yes, absolutely. But I mean, you know, still rough. Yeah. No, it doesn't feel good. Took a header at uh, home plate uh, mm-hmm. with his helmet falling off. I mean, you know, a rough one on the the head there. Yeah, but he's a lot of things you can get away with in the minors. You can't in the majors. The balls are hit a little harder. The players mm-hmm. are a little faster. Yep. You can't take as much time on a throw right. or to grab the, you know, all that stuff. You know, the other thing he's done a couple of times, which don't go down as an error, but like on double mm-hmm. play balls, he's had slow relays yep. To, yep. To, to allow where these balls should have been turned for two, but by the time it gets to allow, it's over, mm-hmm. you know, where he's got had trouble getting the ball out of his glove. So he struggled on that end, mm-hmm. but that's. Listen, playing to your point, playing shortstop, shortstop yep. in the major leagues every day is one hell of a responsibility. Well, and, like, and, and and as I pointed out to you on Friday night too, he's he's learning on the job right. at this level. He's twenty mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. If you remember when Willie Domus came up, yeah, he's terrible. He was supposed to be this great defensive shortstop, and you know, fans were ready to throw him out of town for the yeah. for his first year and a half. Really, it took him. Almost to his second, third year before he got a lot more comfortable. Yeah, and, and you know, and he was a little older than Wander, right? You know, but he was, you know, if but by the time he left, people would say he was one of the best shortstops in the game defensively. Yeah, you know that you can't look. Wander's going to make mistakes. He's making mistakes at the plate. Um, the other night, well, I don't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night. He came up against Hendricks. I think. 
and and he just looked lost at the plate. Mm-hmm. I think it was Friday night. The games are running together, but he but came. He up doesn't there. have he was, too was many pitches, of those. and and he just. But, but he'll learn from that. I mean, that's yeah. a really good relief pitcher that came out right. with a plan against him, and it looked like Wander didn't know what he should do. And right. and that's part of being twenty in the big leagues. I mean, he's by far the youngest player in the big leagues. Right. He turned twenty in March. Yes. I mean, when they started spring training, he was nineteen. That's correct. I mean, yeah. he's going to make mistakes and he's going to learn from them. And so whether it's in the field, whether it's at the plate or anything else, this is what happens when you call up a 20-year-old prospect. It's what happens when you call up a 24-year-old prospect. Yeah. You know, I mean, T- Taylor Walls is the best defensive shortstop they have in their system. When he came up, he made some errors. Yes, he did. You know, and it's all part of learning and, and handling it. And, and, and But you're in a pennant race and you're going to mm-hmm. have to overcome right. that some right. other way. But if now, you the want one, him ready for the postseason, he's got to get through some of these mistakes and growing now. pains now. Yes, so. I agree. And he might become more consistent as the year mm-hmm. goes on, especially on on defense. But there's it, there's no quite look when you watch the baseball game, <laughs> like on Sunday. Even with all the stars that were out there, you can't take your eyes off Wander Franco. He's mm-hmm. like the he's like one of the best players on the field, and his confidence at the plate, switch hitter with almost identical stances from both sides of the plate, which is really a, a key thing for a guy his age. Mm-hmm. Um, just just like good at bats. Like he doesn't – there's not too many at bats like the one you just described. I've seen that mm-hmm. where he's where he's kind of just fooled on all three pitches. For the most part, he has long at bats. He fights pitches off. He waits for his, and he doesn't miss it. And He doesn't you know, strike like I said, out a lot. I mean, not a lot. You know, no. as much as you would think a young guy like that would. Right, he and does, he's got, and he's got good. He got good plate presence. Knows where the strike zone is. Yeah, and he, and he, and he, here's the other thing he does. He runs like a deer. Like he runs like hell. Like he hustles everything out. Um, you know, he beat a relay on a double play that he probably shouldn't have the other night, um, just because he busted it out of the box. But you know, the, the the confidence is is night and day what it was like even a month ago. So this is a long way of saying this. If Wander Franco. He's not going to do what maybe a Rosarina did, okay? But if Wander Franco has that sort of postseason where he is in control, where he is a tough out, where he is kind of you know playing the way he is now, and and they have that going with a Rosarina, with Meadows, with Lau, and then oh yeah, Nelson Cruz, who yep. you know and Zanino to add some pop, and, and Zanino the occasional home run or Mejia that come up, they're going to be fine. Like mm-hmm. they may not score eight runs. But it, I think they're all going to sort of like – there's something that happens when you have a lineup that's deep like that is I think it takes the pressure off the hitters because mm-hmm. I think they trust the guy behind them. You don't have to expand your strike zone thinking, hey, there's a runner on second and third and one out or, or no outs, and I've got to be the guy that drives them in. Mm-hmm. You know, If they don't throw you a good pitch to hit, you don't have to go out there and beat one in the ground or pop one up simply because you don't want to trust the next guy to do it. These guys are not are are taking their walks. Um, they're they're letting the next guy come up and drive in runs. They scored a ton with two outs on Sunday. I just think they're they're so confident as a team. They have so much trust in each other and the guy behind them mm-hmm. um, that it's all kind of working on offense right now. But Wander Franco, he's sort of that guy, right? That all of a sudden we could get to October and go, whoa, what is this kid doing at age twenty? You know, in the postseason mm-hmm. and. He, he he's look. He's going to be a superstar. There, there there is people have known this. 
They've been waiting for this, and it's happening in real time. I mean, that guy, uh, what a talent. And like I said, if he had one more biscuit for breakfast, as Dave Wills would say, he'd have had two home runs Mm -hmm. uh, against the White Sox on Sunday. That's how close uh, that those balls were driven in the air off the wall. So, Well, let's not forget about this about the Rays, too, is they're still a relatively young team. I mean, yeah, they are kind of they're kind of always going to be because they don't pay a lot of high salary. You can't. That's right. You can't stick around for more than four years. So two years ago, they make the playoffs. They win 90 games. They make the playoffs. They win the wild card game and they go take on the Astros in a great five game series. Whether the Astros cheated or not, I don't know. Right. But you got the two great wins at the Trop that were electric. The next year you come back, you win 96, 97 games, whatever it was last year. Now you go to game six of the World Series. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about the lightning for years of, you know, how Getting they over built the to these Stanley Cups. And, and you have to overcome adversity. And, yeah. okay, you overcame the Astros, whether they cheated or not, but that. Yeah. And then last year you you make it all the way to the World Series without any of your lineup hitting. I mean. Right, right. And, and except a Rosarina. And possibly you win the World Series if you don't pull Blake Snell from game six. But that's a whole different argument. But. Mm-hmm. Now this team has that experience from the last two years. Brendan Lyle shouldn't f- feel as much pressure in the postseason this year after having a bad one last year. Because I think last year it was a Rosarina's hit and nobody else's. And I think you saw everyone gripping those bats tight. They all did, yeah, because and, they felt that pressure. Yeah, Everyone felt that pressure, and the pitching staff kept him in it and Randy Rosarina. But now your lineup is, I mean, think of the additions to it. Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. Zanino's actually hitting this year mm-hmm. and hitting well. Brendan Lau is, is hot right now. Austin Meadows, you know, as we talked about going into this year, he had lost some weight and was looking to do things differently than he did last year. Didn't like Most consistent hitter they have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, his bat. You add Wander Franco to that list. You know, I mean, he's an instant yeah. upgrade. I mean, I love Willie Adamas. Couldn't hit at the trop. He's hitting in Milwaukee and doing a fantastic job. And you still but got Yandy Diaz. You still got, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, God, his name escapes me. The Joey Wendell. Joey Wendell, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's guys that are that are capable mm-hmm. on offense, and and but I I I'm with you. I I think they're going to have a different outcome with the bats this year, but I also think that when the pitching gets better, you can't count on slugging your way. You're going to have to you're going to have to have some good starting pitching. I don't know. You know, pressure does funny things, right? It'll, it'll expose you or you'll be exposed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, or you can expose somebody else or you'll be exposed. We don't know how Louis Patino is going to react. We know Shane McClanahan made his major league debut in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be scared. Um, so, you know, one or all of those guys may be terrific. You know, mm-hmm. they may be dominant. We don't know because they're going to be amped up. They're, you know, um, they're going to get opportunities that, they probably wouldn't have expected this early in their careers on a really good baseball team. So we we don't know what we don't know. However, I just feel better if they had one more guy that you could say, okay, the, in this third game, you know. Mm-hmm. Good, oh, you oh, know I, I agree. I wish there was a, a third guy that there. But I just, just don't think there was, like anyone, there was, there was no one available. Now, your your other hope is, is one, in this postseason, you're going to have off days, unlike last year. Last year with COVID, there was, you know, five straight days, seven straight yeah, games. Was, uh, yeah. You know, you are going to have off days every travel day. So the, fir- the first, assuming if you're the wild card game is one game, if you're there. 
Mm-hmm. Beyond that, the next series is five games. So it's two off day two off day one. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the, the seven. If, and, and your hope is Anderson, Fire Eisen, yeah. Fairbanks. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, if all these guys are healthy, I mean, they've put this season together with a bullpen with, with 14 Never pitchers on the aisle at certain points. And, and Never heard of them. I mean, yeah. if your bullpen going into the postseason is McHugh, Anderson, Kittredge, uh, Fleming, and Fairbanks, and Fire Eyes, and Erasmussen, and it's going to be all these. It's not going to be Dietrich Ends, Lewis Head. Yeah. And they've done they've done well. It's nothing right. against these guys. No, you're getting your frontliners back. You but know. if you're going to have all those bullpen arms available, it makes it a lot easier to go into bullpen days. No, it does. I mean, absolutely. I mean, those guys those guys are really good. And and Kevin Cash manages you know he manages as well as anybody. Even the matchups, he, he I think he wanted more than two innings out of Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's what he got. And he managed the bullpen. And they jumped on him early at a three to nothing lead. Um, they, they added on some runs, but I mean, you know, he was able to play matchups the whole way and that's, that's what the Rays do. They do it better than anybody else. Um, so yeah, it, it can happen. I listen, I don't think you can, you can fluke your way to 99 wins or whatever they're going to end up with. If they, if they keep this pace, um, that's going to be the best record in race history. Uh, so there's no reason not to believe in these guys. What was neat was also to see. That's right. There were twenty something thousand fans in almost every game of this series. Um, so what do you what do you make of that? Is that the White Sox? Is that a weekend series? Are we over the stadium show? I mean, I I think some of it was the White Sox for sure. Um, yeah, I think there was a know, good bit of White Sox fans there. By the way, there was. I think the Glass Now bobblehead on Saturday helped too. There was a they huge line free outside stuff. the stadium before they love free stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I got there shortly before the game, and and there was a, a huge line outside. Yeah, um, yeah, both sides of the stadium at that point. Uh, I think, yeah. I think. That, look, I think the pennant race helps in a weekend game. You know, weekends mm-hmm. during Good the school opponent, year definitely help game. in that. Yeah, I, I yeah. think there's a lot of it. But uh, yes, Chicago fans did help absolutely. Um, well, in recent I, I, years, White Sox fans haven't always come out, but you know, yeah. the White Sox are winning now. And that's a really good team too. They are good, and it, I'm look. I'm looking forward to October because I think the race fans will show up. I think they all ready for October baseball. Um, the Rays have been on top here for a little bit, pretty much wire to wire. I mean, there was a time when the Red Sox had a little bit of a game. I was going to say the Red Sox were leading the division most of the year, actually. Most of the year, but but you didn't feel like the Rays were. You never felt like they were going to hold it. Yeah, Um, and I never felt like the Rays were going to fall. You know, I always felt like Mm -hmm. they're going to either overtake them or be right there. But um, but I think the Rays fans will show up for the postseason, and I think I think they're ready to do so. Um, And it could be really exciting around here come October. You'll have, well, that October, what is it? October 3rd game in uh, New England with Tom Brady going back to Foxborough would be really, really interesting. And, and you could have a Rays series at the same time. Yeah, well, the Rays, that's the last game of the season, October 3rd. Is it? Yeah, that's that. Uh, they're at the Yankees that afternoon. All right, well, you, you know, we just mentioned the Bucks, and, of course, we should have said this at the top. How about Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee Titans coach, told reporters on Sunday that he has COVID uh, and he's somebody who's been vaccinated. Any concerns uh, for the Bucks players? Well, yeah, I, or coaching staff? Or, I, mean, I, mean, how, I don't know how much yeah, they got about, together. Or Quite a bit. I mean, here's the thing. Um, 
you know, I don't, he said he woke up Sunday with a sore throat, got tested and he had COVID. Now he's been back. Like I said, he's been vaccinated. The symptoms aren't that bad for him. He has to have two negative tests over the next 48 hours, or he's going to have to quarantine, I think for like five or 10 days. I think it's 10 days, um, which will still get him to the opener. But listen, I mean, Mike Vrabel, teammate of Tom Brady's was with Tom. They were outside. Nobody had a mask on after practice both Wednesday and Thursday. And then on on uh, Saturday night, uh, we have a picture in the Tampa Bay Times of Arians, Vrabel, and Brady all sort of hanging out right on top of each other in the middle of the field before the game on Saturday. So I don't know when he became you know symptomatic or uh, discovered that, he, you know, I know he took a test on Sunday and found out he had COVID, but there should be a concern. You know, I would think there would be a concern. Yeah, well, but, we know the players are being tested periodically. I don't know to what extent based on vaccination status of the players, but I would assume they would want everyone. Every two weeks. Now. Every two weeks they normally test it, but now they probably will test a lot of guys. But when I talked to the Bucks, they said they didn't have a big concern about it. They didn't think that there was going to be any incidences, but you, it may take a while. You know, I don't know. When, when, are you, when are you able to shed that virus? Even though you're vaccinated, we know you can still shed it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things here that are variables but um yeah i probably not good news that that brable has covid and hey you know they came to florida for a couple you know this is the thing we're burning up with it down here and what did the titans do they flew down they practiced on wednesday practice on thursday stayed in a hotel for four or five days in florida um and he very likely got it while he was down here so uh it's it's terribly unfortunate for him and i hope he's everything's going to be fine but uh, it doesn't look like, at least for now, that the Bucks are that concerned. At least that was my information as of Sunday. Maybe that will change. But uh, of all of the people that should worry, I would think that you know Brady was probably the closest to Vrabel as far as as far as a player goes mm-hmm. from Tampa Bay, and then and then of course Bruce Arians was with him um, Saturday night a little bit before the game too. So we'll check on that. Hey, how about tomorrow? We will have our popular mailbag segment. I've got some questions already you all have submitted, and all you have to do to be part of the show, uh, we'll read your question, and you just send it to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We are, Steve, we will not have a Saturday without college football for quite a while now. Starting this Saturday, college Week football zero. is back. Week zero week this zero. week, they call it. I think there's what? We said six games, six, seven games yeah, this weekend. So. All right. How cool is uh, that? Yes. Football that counts is five days away. That's incredible, man. So hopefully we'll have a chance to catch up with Matt Baker, our college football writer. And uh, we'll talk more Rays, of course, as they continue to just do the impossible and keep winning. You know, Four and a half York- game lead with 37 games to play. If you're the New York Yankees, what is their record? I mean, they have been so hot. It's incredible. Um, and they made up all the ground on the Red Sox and all of that. And the the the, the Rays just don't lose. I mean, they lose a game here, and then they win two. And they lose you know, one here, and they lose, win three. Yeah. New York didn't play Sunday because of a uh, tropical storm or hurricane. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Boy, it's um, nasty. Boston didn't play either. Oh, yeah. They have tons of rain up there. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. But, yeah, so, I mean, you know. The Rays are keeping them at bay, but it's still it's still a race, that's for sure. And then the final series is in New York, as you mentioned, so that'll be something to take. Yeah, the Rays, the last week of the season, they're at Houston and at New York. 
Yeah. So it, it would behoove the Rays to have a pretty good lead going into those that week. I mean, Houston may have their division wrapped up by then. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, but with the Yankees, you'd love to have at least a four-game lead going into that series. You sure would. Yeah, you sure would. You'd like to have that sewed up. But anyway, it's going to be a wild couple of months uh, here in Tampa. And Champa Bay, of course, we're not even that far away from the Tampa Bay Lightning getting started. Seven weeks from tomorrow is opening night. God, They'll raise crazy. the banner. Yeah, October, man. October's when it happens. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, the month of September is always crazy in sports because the NFL and college have started. Baseball's in their last month. In their drive. Hockey Mm -hmm. training camps are underway. The regular season doesn't start until October, but they start training in September. I mean, September is a month when, you know, and then October, the NBA starts coming back too. Late September, early October, they start coming back to camp, so. It's yeah, the time when, when all the sports, yeah, all the sports or basketball starts like practically mid-October by now. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, everything is just going in the fall. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, let's hope, let's hope we can have sports in the fall. Let's hope we can all be safe. We can get past this, uh, this Delta virus or whatever is uh strain that's, that's got us right now. We want to see everybody back at stadium. So stay safe. Oh, one, one yeah. more thing on the race we did, forgot to mention. Did you see Mike Zanino's triple? I did. What's more exciting? And I I tweeted this poll question. Big man was running well, man. I mean, he ran hard. He did. I I tweeted this question. What's more exciting? Zanino triple or Brett Phillips inside the park home run? Brett Phillips. Okay. Well, that's what won the the poll, but. Yeah. Zanino triples are pretty exciting and fun. I mean. Yeah. That's what his fourth in his career. He can move. Like, he really runs. I mean, they get the old four catcher thing, but like. Takes him a while to get going, but I you yeah. wouldn't want to try to get in front of him. I know that. Yeah. It's like Dave Wills always talks about Yandy Diaz. He says, you know, he can move once he gets going. It takes a while to get him going. Once he gets going, you can't stop him. That's <laughs> right. He doesn't stop. Yeah, really good speed. It just takes him a while to get up to it. Yeah, I had a car like that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was fun. And uh, like I said, Zanino man, he's had a great year, an All Star year, and all of that. Twenty was he got twenty five home runs, twenty six home runs, something like that. It's been great. So. Anyway, uh, check us out. Send your mailbag questions in. Um, We will read them 100% guaranteed correct answers. And we'll look forward to that tomorrow as well as uh, more Rays talk and Bucks, of course, all week long. So for Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.